Do you like podcasts? If so, I have a great announcement for you in this week's Midweek Connection, July the 12th, 2023. having a great week so far and that the rest of your week will be productive, restful, joyful, overall that it will be just a blessing for you and your family. My first announcement has to do with podcasting. On Mission is the podcast name of the teaching ministry of the Mission Church and you can now catch each of our Sunday sermons and the Midweek Connection on Spotify and Apple podcast platforms. Just type the church's name in the search bar and look for our logo. It'll take you to our page where each week you can listen to our sermons and catch up on the Midweek Connection. Now, you can even send a link to a friend or a neighbor so they can connect as well. So I encourage you to check it out. I think you'll like it. Number two, Relational Evangelism Event. Led by Laura Balmer, this gathering is designed for our ladies to help you discover misconceptions about evangelism so that you can be set free to discover and true biblical evangelism. This informative event will be held on Wednesday, July the 19th from 6 to 8 p.m. in the community room. And you can register for the event in this Friday's email blast. Just look for the event logo. Finally, the Mission Church has an employment opportunity. We're seeking a person to fill our open position of administrative coordinator. Now, this position answers incoming calls, greets guests, and provides much-needed administrative support to the church staff. So, if you're interested or if you know someone who might be interested, you or they can get more information by contacting Jim Olson and you see his email address there on the screen. Also, until the position is filled, we could use some volunteer help to assist the staff by answering the phones and greeting the guests. Now, if you're interested in helping us in that way, again, you can contact Jim. His email address, as you see, is still there on the screen. Or you can reach out to Julie Danger, and her email address is there on the screen as well. Of course, you're always welcome to stop by the church office and inquire about the position. Well, that's all I have for this week's announcements. Now, let's move on to the spiritual focus. Our summer's teaching series, Living for God in a Pagan World, is based on the life of Daniel and his three friends found in Daniel chapters 1 through 6. In addition to the spiritual lessons found there, we've been learning some of the historical context that helps us to better understand the world and conditions uh, during the time that Daniel lived. Well, another biblical author who lived and ministered during the same time as Daniel is Jeremiah. Jeremiah recounts for us in his book how God revealed to him the purpose of his life. Let's take a look. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and following. Verse 4, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
And before you were born, I consecrated you, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. The parts of the communication that I really want you to catch are these. That God knew Jeremiah before he was conceived in his mother's womb. Now that is something that's very hard for us to understand, and yet God's Word declares that is factual. Also, I want you to catch that God set him apart to be a prophet to the nations before he was even born. Now, if like me, you believe the Bible to be God's inerrant, infallible Word, then really, you have no choice, like I don't, you know, we have no choice but to see this as literal revelation from God to Jeremiah and also to us who read it, that the unborn are living human beings just like those born. And as such then, they have a God-given right to live their lives according to the number of days that He's ordained for them and to fulfill the purpose that He has for them. God's Word would have us to understand that human life is precious. Precious because human life is fashioned in the very image of God Himself. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, Let us make man, mankind, humanity, in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And this is an important point as well. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We see in Genesis that God created humanity in His own image. He did that so that humanity could receive and exercise certain communicable attributes of the divine. <laughs> Let me explain that. Some of God's attributes can be shared with man, and some cannot. Those that can be shared are referred to as communicable attributes. Those that cannot are called non-communicable attributes. The communicable attributes are those like grace and mercy, goodness, truthfulness, rational thought, and relationality. These are communicable. They can be shared. Omniscience, being all-knowing, omnipotence, all-power, omnipresence, everywhere present, and immutability cannot change. Those are non-communicable. They cannot be shared. Also, we find in Genesis, and this is what I really want to focus on, is that God gave humanity, male and female, the power of procreation and commanded them to fill the earth with offspring. Now, you may disagree with me, and, and that's okay because that's your right, but I find in both Genesis 1 and Jeremiah 1 clear evidence that at conception, the unborn are every bit as much human beings as those that are born nine months later. I also find that they are part of God's creative design, and 
Because of that, any attempt to invade the womb with the intent to end that life is to take a life without justification. And in Scripture, that is called murder. Now, because of that, that's why when it comes to the unborn, I am pro-life rather than pro-choice. According to the revelation that I find in God's Word, there, there simply is no way to justify taking the unborn's life from them. No justification at all. Of course, the greater part of the world's population does not see the Bible as being an authority. And so, uh, what it has to say about many aspects of life and living, they count it as irrelevant. And really, there's nothing I can do about that except to pray that their spiritual eyes will be opened and to be ready to help them come to understand that the Bible is God's revelation to us and thus to be believed and put into practice if and when those eyes do open. But that does not change the fact that as a follower of Christ, I am to receive, believe, and live according to His Word. And His Word tells us that He alone has the right to give or take life, or to authorize when it can be taken by another human being. When it comes to the unborn, we find that is a life to be protected, not taken away. And that's why I'm glad to see Iowa's governor, Kim Reynolds, fighting to place into law protections for the unborn. That when a heartbeat can be detected, the full force of the law stands to protect that life from those who would seek to end it. Frankly, there are just so many other ways to deal with unwanted pregnancy. Everything from better support for adoption to the practice of chastity before and outside of marriage and thoughtful planning during marriage as it relates to the issue of conceiving. Now believe me, I realize that some who hear this will be offended. I'm sorry, that's really not my intention. Others will likely brand me as an out-of-touch religionist who wants to take away people's rights and saddle women with children they aren't ready for or even want. Perhaps that's just the cost of standing publicly for truth in this day and age. But my real motivation on this issue is really this. The same revelation that teaches me that I'm fallen, a sinner under God's condemnation for whom God's Son came to bear my guilt and shame on the cross, to give His life as a sacrifice for sin, and to rise from the dead to give eternal life to all who will turn to Him in repentance and faith, is the same revelation that informs me that human life is God-ordained. It begins at conception, and unless God chooses to end that life, humanity has no right to take it, but is actually responsible to protect it, both in and outside of the womb. Well, those are just a few of my thoughts about the issue uh, that we're facing today of abortion and the recent uh, activities of our Iowa legislature and government. Well, let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share some of these thoughts with uh, those who are watching. And Lord, I pray that we would stand in unity, that life is precious, that you are the author of it, that we have a responsibility to protect it 
from the moment of conception until the day you call that life out of this world. Father, I know that there are many, perhaps the majority, who want to maintain the convenience that abortion provides for those who find themselves with an unwanted pregnancy. But Lord, truly, that's not the best solution. And I pray that the church would continue to fight for life, but also continue to fight to help women understand their options if they find themselves with an unwanted pregnancy, and perhaps even helping the unmarried uh, to uh, just to to realize the uh, beauty and the gift that chastity is uh, until they enter into that marriage covenant. Lord, I know those are old-fashioned ideas, but they're true ideas. They're true truths. And may we stand for them even when they're out of fashion in our world. Lord, help the Mission Church to be faithful to your call, to stand for righteousness, and also to be a help and encouragement to those who need to find the freedom of the righteousness that is in Christ Jesus. Lord, I lift this prayer to you in his name. Amen. Well, church, this Sunday we find ourselves in Daniel chapter 5. Nebuchadnezzar has died, and a new king sets on the throne of Babylon. An ungodly man who attempts to make a mockery of God, only to find that God is bringing judgment not only on him, but on Babylon as well. So, how does Daniel fit into all of that? And what can we learn from that part of history? Well, We'll find out this coming Sunday as we gather for fellowship, worship, and instruction in God's Word. God bless. Have a great week.